Hello, you're very welcome to another episode of The Film Show. I'm Mike Sheridan. I'm joined as always by Dee Malumbi and Brian Lloyd. And he's back. Yay! Producer, Producer Dave. Dave. He's, he's back on the desk. I'm gonna, what I'm going to do now here is, right, so I've got the uh, I've got the packed house iPad here. Company iPad. Mm, spared nice. no expense. Um, so I'm going to take a picture of Producer Dave here and just to show what he looks like behind the scenes. So uh, okay, do, your, do your best, uh, do your best pose, do your best. Do your best. <laughs> he yeah, looks so angry. Give, give me Ferrari, give me Ferrari, give me Ferrari. He looks give so Ferrari, angry. Give me Ferrari. I love how angry he there looks. We go. He's so, so upset. Uh, so, uh, yeah, He's so, so angry. I love it. He's oh, so well, angry. You know what? Because do you know what happens, right? Because all of these things, you know, we're, we're front and center. We're mm. the talent. Nobody, sure. You know, we're yeah. the talent. More than no uh, talent. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. You know, and we see Charlotte Reed putting the show together so well every week. Yeah. Producer Dave on the decks there. Uh, so all well, the people that work behind the scenes. It's very meta because yeah. we're talking yeah. about movies. Yeah, very true. Exactly. Yeah, you know, we, like, we like to reach out to the little people, Producer Dave, you know. We appreciate you. I'll just let you know we appreciate your work. Thanks. <laughs> Deadpan Dave. He's either Deadpan Dave, producer Dave, or Sports Dave. Sports Dave. Because he, he does stuff for the Sports Chronicle. And he's he's writing something there. What's he doing? What are you writing? Yeah, you're taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> you taking notes, guy? <laughs> what are you writing about, guy? He's crossing people off his Christmas card list. <laughs> <laughs> Literally crossing people off his Christmas card list. It's good to have you back, Dave. The same was crap last week, Brian. Shocking. Oh, here, listen. <laughs> right, okay. First of all, <laughs> to, be fair, like, to be fair, did you watch the show back last week and you can see Brian go, yeah, you can actually see me like panicking about the thing, like looking down like this. I'm like, oh God, it's, I gotta fix the sound. Like, you can see me like twisting the knobs and looking yeah. really kind of like that. That's because I was trying to do two oh, things you, at once. Do you know why that is? And that's, and that's my fault as well because I, I kind of peek sometimes because I lean over yeah. if I'm looking at the yeah. iPads. And you guys are like, and look at him making still. the adjustments when you leaned. See, he knows he's like he's on the like ball. Like that on the, the ball. ball. Yeah. On the ball. He's got a, he's got a radio background, does producer Dave, Radio Dave, Sports Dave, and Deadpan Dave. Or Cork Handsome Dave. Dave. Handsome Dave. Yeah. Handsome Dave. Yeah. Notions. Don't know about that now. Notions. <laughs> Notions. Uh, okay, anyway, this week, um, we've got, well, I suppose there's three films that we're going to review. First of all, we're mm-hmm. going to talk Ocean's 8, which is kind of anticipated to some degree, dear. Yes. Uh, you've got yes. an interview with Rupert Everett for The Happy Prince. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going up on the YouTube channel as well, and you'll be able to see that on site. Brian, you have an interview with e- Eva McArdle yep. uh, for Kiss and Candy. So we're, we're chock-a-block with content this week. Yeah. Um, but that will be on the YouTube channel as well if you're watching this or just head on to Entertainment, i.e. YouTube, and you can see all of the interviews. Okay, Dee, first of all, yes. let's talk Ocean's 8. Mm-hmm. Um, this, okay, I love the cast. Yeah, like the cast. it's an amazing cast. Love the idea. Um, but Gary Ross as a director, I kind of kind of dulled my excitement mm. for this one a little bit. Yeah. Steven Soderbergh, if something was coming back, I would have been a bit more excited. But yeah. Your, your vibe for this one was like, eh, it's three yeah. stars. It's yeah. three stars. Yeah, it's grand. I really, really, really wanted it to be really good. And it was just okay. It was fine. I mean, I, I think that you're exactly right in that because they had Gary Ross in for the job. And he was bo- working as both director and a co-writer on it, by the way. Um, it was grand. It was fun and it was entertaining and it was grand for its running length. But in terms of, and I mean, I actually just went back and watched... Um, Ocean's Eleven over the weekend and just how like ambitious that film and how like funny and smart and you know when you see like everything kind of coming together at the end and you're like oh my god and they were doing that and they were doing that and oh my god all those eureka moments like with the ending of Ocean's Eight I suppose because it is maybe because it's on a smaller scale and it's like with fewer characters is it on a smaller scale just just in terms of the characters it's eight not eleven in terms of the scale of the actual like heist because they're essentially stealing a necklace it's not like you know in the first film when they were stealing from the cre- three casinos who all had their money in that like yeah yeah and it was like way underground and it was like way way more ambitious um, but I also think that it wasn't just the scale of the actual heist itself which was like I wouldn't say minimal exactly but I just thought 
that Gary Ross was just playing it really safe and straight and straightforward and he wasn't like taking any kind of risks what with it. He just pan- wanted to get it right. What about, so. see, what about that panache that, that Soderbergh yeah. has? Because sort of like, yeah, you, like that. you mentioned that he even had that in uh, Logan Lucky mm-hmm. uh, which is which is kind of a, like a hick version of, yeah. of Ocean's yeah, Eleven exactly. which is just brilliant. Mm-hmm. Ross does, rushes, like I mean he made the first Hunger Games, yes. he made Sea Biscuits. he's kind of like a Fine director. Fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, even with The Hunger Games, I know that was kind of a big hit, but I mean, he was essentially just adapting the book. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was kind of easy enough yeah. to do. Francis Lawrence did a better job, I think, with the sequels yeah, under yeah. more difficult circumstances. Across the um, cast, there were kind of ones who were better than others. I thought Rihanna was great. Rihanna was like one of those characters that she, it was like she belonged to Steven Soderbergh's movie. She was just so naturally cool yeah. and nonchalant and there was something like that was kind of like trying a bit too hard about the films and about certain characters sometimes I thought Aquafina as well was like really great in it um, that sounds like a bottle of water <laughs> I think that's the intent yeah, I think yeah. that's what I think that's um, the way Anne Hathaway Anne Hathaway is great in it she's very very funny like her character is quite over the top but she's very funny so I liked yeah, there you go. Um, I really liked Helena Bonham Carter as well. But actually, for me, I thought that Kate Blanchett and Sandra Bullock were very kind of eh. I mean, they weren't given a whole lot to work They're with. They're the Pitt and Damon. The, yeah. Or, or the Pitt and, and uh, Clooney. They yeah, to, exactly. They have to anchor it. Yeah, bit, yeah. And I just felt that, well, uh, Debbie Ocean, who's Sandra Bullock's character, is very boring. She's just kind of, she's got nothing. And then Kate Blanchett just confused me with her Aussie accent which is kind of and I know you guys were saying she's Australian but <laughs> yeah you didn't you didn't believe us no it, it was like I don't know it's like a bit like you know how other actors when they've had an accent for so long but then they're kind of imitating so many accents over their careers you see other ones get influenced and then it just ended up being really kind of confusing and she's kind of again she's trying to play this kind of cool doesn't give a damn attitude and it just didn't work it just it was trying too hard did she ever say Struth no. I, not to my knowledge. Not really. Flame and Gala, <laughs> yeah. or like Stone of Flame and Crows yeah. or any of those. No, that but sounds th- a, a bit familiar, the last yeah. one. <laughs> but my experience with Australians is mostly four-letter words that yeah. begin with C. But anyway. And it ends with T yeah, and there's yeah, a yeah. U-N yeah, in Brian, there. Brian, Brian, yeah. Brian, Brian. Well, I didn't spell it. <laughs> I didn't spell it. I spelled it, I spelled it out differently. They don't know. Um, but there is a thing, though, with like George Clooney's character in Ocean's Eleven. Mm. He was a boring character. Like, mm-hmm. I always felt that he was, like... Well, I didn't think he was born. I thought he was cool. Yeah, he was cool, but, like, I mean, he wasn't, like... He, he didn't pop out of the screen, and is what I'm saying. Like, you think of, like, Carl Reiner, or you think of, like, you know, uh, Casey Affleck and I Scott Kahn. I completely Cam. disagree. I think of George Clooney when I think of Ocean's Really? Yeah. yeah. George Clooney in a tux, you know, on the, yeah. on, the, on the strip. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I don't know. Like, I always kind of... When I think of Ocean's Eleven, I always think of, like, the other character. Like, Bernie Mac, like, you know what I mean? I think Bernie of Bernie Mac. Mac. Great, Genuinely yeah. forgot he was in it. Really? <laughs> just, yeah. a, when you think of Ocean's Eleven, for me, when I think of Ocean's... For me, when I think of Ocean's Eleven... And I think, Gould as well is a great one. Yeah. yeah. I think of Matt Damon, uh, Matt, uh, Brad Pitt and George Clooney. But yeah, and yeah that, that kind Brad of picture Pitt of the three of them yeah. sitting down wearing the glasses just watching. Yeah. Oprah. Yeah. yeah. And that was in the third uh, one. Uh, the, that, yeah. the second one is atrocious Muck. The, Muck. that final oh so lost of its own hoop like again speaking of people you forget are in things or people like Catherine you know, Zeta-Jones well that Catherine Zeta-Jones like the second the first one Julia Roberts and you're like yeah like, yeah you know like apparently George Clooney sent her a note at a restaurant before he ever met her with a $20 bill saying I heard you, I heard you charge 20 a movie 
that that that's funny. That gas man, George Clooney. That's funny. That, that only works if you look like George Clooney. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like if Steve Buscemi sending a twenty dollars, <laughs> be like, "Hey, what come on, what? what? Steve Buscemi's funny. He could send over the bodyguard with pepper spray. I know he is funny. Steve Buscemi's a very talented actor and a mm-hmm. great actor. Even Billy Bob Thorne, somebody like that sends over twenty. Sure. You know, you're gonna run over with a pepper spray and be like, <laughs> "Stalker, this is very strange." But my point being, George Clooney's a very handsome, charismatic man. Yes, and you're like, oh, it's kind of yeah, cool. It could work, yeah. Isn't it funny though? Because like I know Sandra Bullock. I know we we kind of talked about this off air, but like Sandra Bullock and uh, Kate Blanchett came out and basically said that Ocean's Eight was not for male reviewers; that it was for females. It was yeah, for I women. really wish they hadn't said that. <laughs> like, okay, right? I do. Obviously, Deirdre, you went to. See, yeah, I can see you making the face. I'm doing my. I'm doing my gym. To the <laughs> You're doing the gym to the camera, kind of like as in like. Yeah. What? Right. We know celebrities watch this show, and we're going to get into that later. So, just in case, just in case. But let's what? let's get into this for a second, right? Um, well, the primary point I made was that the vast majority of movies out there are, you know, led by males. So otherwise, women would have nothing to watch. If fair you know, enough, only male reviewers. You know, if yeah. it was the same way. For What's another each? thing I thought? And, uh, like uh, Brian, uh, bring me back here from if I miss an appointment. What's another thing as well about there needs to be more. Um, diversity in film criticism. Yeah, that, was, mm. was which that, is true. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. With, I agree. Anyway, yeah, yeah. There, there needs to be just generally more diversity in these roles. But if, I mean, I suppose it's, you know, you, do, do you want to be a film critic? It's a pretty crap job. Yeah, it's pretty, like, <laughs> to be honest. Like, like, look at us. Do like, we look like happy people? <laughs> do we look like happy and fulfilled people? No, no, no. None, of, none of us are rich and I'm in charge of stuff. Like, look at, look at us. D looks well, to be fair. Like, Brian's wearing that top. I think he bought it in, a, in Oxfam <laughs> or something. Like you genuinely did, didn't you? I'm not being funny. Yeah, yeah, I think I did. Yeah, yeah. I go to, go do something else, kids. Go do something else. No, but like I mean, it it is that thing of I I the reason why I bring it up is is because I think if this film had been better received, mm. there's no way this conversation would be happening. It has mm. been well received though. Hasn't the film has made forty two million dollars in its opening weekend in the US. Uh, it's, it's, it's which is a franchise high, I suppose, inflation and all that. Yeah, be slightly different, but it's been a success. It's relatively low budget, it's less than hundred million dollars. Mm. Mm. So it's done well. I don't get comments like that. I just don't. And I'm not going to go, oh, for both of those other for men. Because that's a stupid thing to say as well. They're stupid comments. The blanket wide, you know, far and wide, broadly stupid comments. Just don't say stuff like that. Yeah. But I guess I'm saying to you, I think, okay, fine. Maybe not commercially done well, but critically, I don't think it's done well. No, I think it's, I think been, it's been quite mediocre. Yeah, yeah it's been yeah. very mediocre. But your review, you were like, yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. I think, had it, got, had it been getting four and five stars reviews, there's no way... They would have brought that up. I don't think. Yeah. Was this a, was this? What do you think? Like, I mean, to, like, tell me what you're, you're like. You're yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, like as a female, I would have vocalised my disagreement had I disagreed. <laughs> but is this not something that was it? Was it Sandra Bullock brought up about the Ghostbusters about the backlash? Yeah, no, that was a backlash. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, like that was that was totally unfair. What she equated it to was basically those actresses were put in front of a firing squad, and what was so frustrating about that and was the fact that nobody went to see that movie and you still see it. You still see people, even with that article, I remember people were commenting like, oh, well, that's because Ghostbusters was crap. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but most of you people who are commenting did not see the movie. And I know that because it did crap in the box <laughs> yeah. office. So you couldn't have and gone crap and crap movies the do movie. well all the time. Yeah. So, you know. Transformers. Yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. Well, like, So it's just like, if you're going to have an opinion about a movie, you have to go see it. That's what I feel like at the end of the day. If you think that it's a bad movie, fine. But if you're talking about it being bad and you're going off what other people have said and you haven't seen it yourself your you opinion shut up, is like, shut up. completely invalid well, like, if you know you're going to hate a movie and then you go and see the movie and you're like yeah I hate it 
that's kind of an annoying thing as well that people do just in comment sections and that type of crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're they going, don't kind of give a reason for yeah. disliking it because I mean it's it's kind of easy to go to most movies and hate it. Like if you went into Ocean's Eight with like a cynical perspective, it'd be easy to kind of leave it saying, "Oh, yeah. it's rubbish." But like I went in like looking to have a bit of fun and to be entertained, and it was grand. You were kind on that of basis. sort of entertained, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, like, like I it was a bit of fun. Where did where did Bullock or, or Blanchett say this? Because you know sometimes these things are kind of pulled slightly out of context. You know, there's a broader thing and people are seeing mm. headlines mm. And, they, and they kind of run with that stuff because I can't imagine a movie star going, yeah, we just made this for the women. We just made this for the ladies. It doesn't make... I mean, maybe in, a, in an empowerment sense of make this one for the ladies. Mm. Yeah. Everybody go and see it. Perhaps, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, like context is, is everything. Yeah. Like, so I suppose... I mean, there still really aren't enough female-led movies being made and I mean like I think I Feel Pretty is an interesting point of comparison because remember all three of us went yeah. to see that and I really really enjoyed it and we went to that audience full of women and everyone was laughing their asses off yeah. and you guys like it just did nothing for you which is fine I, thought, oh, yeah, no, you I didn't know? dislike it I didn't dislike you know? it I actually quite I thought it was fine you I, know, like, yeah. Yeah. I got, like I got the charm of it but it's interesting that uh, a, like a couple of people who I've kind of spoken who would be you know uh, themselves relatively outspoken uh, feminists were you know hadn't seen the movie but were like cautious of it mm. just simply mm. because of the backlash from the trailer that you'd spoken about before yeah, yeah. and my reaction was go and see it everybody that I kind yeah. of know that went to see it that wanted to see it that mm-hmm. liked to look at the trailers that liked to look at the clips that liked Amy Schumer maybe yeah. enjoyed the movie Yeah. so yeah it's it, it, there is a strange level of expectations mm-hmm. and sometimes that goes in reverse where it's you're expecting yeah, to hate something yeah. and, it, and, it, and, and it doesn't help either um, so it says a lot to you, I think, that we've spent, we've kind of trailed off yes. completely. We went way off. Because it just it bored the hell out of you. I feel like it bored you. I feel like three stars have been generous. It didn't bore me. I just, I wanted, I wanted it You're to be so to, much more yeah. ambitious. I think it could have been, but it just decided to be safe. And it ended up being fine when I do genuinely believe it could have been great. I mean, with the cast like that, it could have been something and it, so it's special. Not, it's not the Met Gala. That's the thing that yeah. they're at. So yeah. you would assume that's chock a block them with like celebrity cameos and... Uh, there are, yeah, there are a few. And I mean, the costumes are really pretty to look at. So there's that. That's cool. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That was it. The costumes. There you go. The costumes are pretty. If you're going you're that far down the list. There's shiny. Yeah. Well, no. Well, women like that. Yeah, I know, but This I'm is why saying, like period like, dramas and everything are so I know successful, that. you God, know? never mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. We like the shiny. I know that. <laughs> but like I'm saying, like, as in, like, if you're talking about the costumes, like, you're kind of, you know, you're going past, like, you know, the good performances or the good mm. scripts it's or like the good some, direction. It's, it's like something yeah. that was somebody, oh, what do you think of the film? I'm like, yeah, it's really well shot. Yeah, that's, then always, you're like, that's like, always like, oh. oh. <laughs> so everything else is terrible. So it's the same thing, I suppose, with the costumes or yeah. production design or whatever it is. Mm. Okay, let's move on. That sounds like a bag of crap. No thanks. I think I'm actually already bought tickets to see that this week. And Did you? <laughs> it's not crap. It's not. It's no. fine. There's yeah. a difference between fine. fine and crap. Fine. Yeah. Grand. Yeah. Right, Brian, let's talk uh, Kiss and Candice quickly. Yeah. Uh, you caught up with Eva MacArdle, uh, I did. who was extremely impressive. She's from yeah. OMA. Uh, just looking at the catalogue of stuff she directed, she but it was Beneath the Breaking Waves. Yeah. I think that the U2, uh, the U2 video. The yeah. U2 video. She's worked with James Vince McMorrow a bunch. Yeah. Uh, she's done, I think, three videos with James Vince McMorrow, directed ads for like Under Armour for Audi. Mm. Audi? Mm. Audi? How do we say it? I say Audi. What, how did they say it in Cork, producer Dave? Ash, you don't know. Opal. <laughs> <laughs> in the ad, they say Audi. So Audi. Yeah, Audi. Vorsprung, Dirk Let's go with the ad. Uh, and it was funny because, you know, I was obviously here for the interview trying to keep you on track so that you didn't get distracted by shiny things or squirrels and stuff. And uh, you mentioned David Lynch a few times. So I hadn't seen anything about Kissing Candies other than Emma Kirwan mentioned it to me in an yeah. interview. 
uh, uh, that he really liked it. So it's, yeah. it sounds quite dark and, and murky very, from what you said. Yeah, very. Like, I mean, it's funny you say that because that's the first thing I would say about this. You were saying, like, you know, if you say, oh, it's shot really well, that's usually like, uh But that is the first <laughs> thing I would... But it actually is. But the actually, cinematography in this is stunning. Like, she uses, like, the colours green and red in this really fascinating, yeah. really striking way. It is actually gorgeous to look at. Yeah, like, and that's it. Like, and you can tell that she's done, like, some incredible work in a short amount of time, you know, that sort of way. You can tell that mm. she's able to kind of really kind of get like, drill into like the emotional core of a scene within like 10 seconds. The problem with kissing Candace is, is the fact that like the story itself is very, very, very minimal. You know, that kind of way. It's literally about this young girl who lives in this really crap town um, who has epilepsy. She has this dream about this man that she is going to fall in love with. And then she sees him one day and he's part of this kind of, uh, group of uh, criminals in the area who are kind of like terrorizing people um, and then she kind of strikes up a relationship with him but then he doesn't turn out to be what she expected him to be and that's basically the beats of the story I mean it's pretty much that and it's um, like mm. supernatural it's yeah it's, it's kind of it's kind of art house or something okay. I'd probably she did say, it it did say yeah. that yeah it is well. very yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, like, I mean she was very open you'll see it in the interview when we talked to her like she was like look I did not expect people to see this. I know what I was making. I know I was making an art house film. And that's what it is. I think if you go into it with that intent in mind and that kind of recognition of, right, okay, it's not going to be a normal story. It's, it's not, not going to be linear. It's not going to be exactly. a regular crowd pleaser. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's going to be something different. If you can kind of give it that... Uh, if you can give it that leverage, if you can give it that kind of leeway, mm. you'll really enjoy it because it is. It looks so good. I have never seen an Irish film look this good. Like, mm-hmm. uh, what's the acting like? Dee? Anne Skelly is amazing in it. Yeah. She is the main actress in this, and I really, really want to see her go on to do big things because I think I talked about this in previous podcasts that there just aren't enough Irish actresses that, yeah. out there. Yeah. And I thought she was amazing. I think she was one of the three. Girls, wasn't she who was actually nominated for the FBI? Yeah, remember right. how yeah, it was yeah. the three? She was in Red Rock. The three nominations. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. It was for Kissing Candice. But she's in Red Rock, though. She's in Red Rock yeah. as well. She was nominated for Kissing Candice, and the other ones were Saoirse Ronan and your one Sarah Bulger. I think they yeah. were the three I, nominees. I, I, yeah, like, another, like you kind of speaking of actresses and stuff, mm-hmm. and Irish actresses and in, in, in those type of roles mm-hmm. and, and those different nominations. Shauna Carr's like for me is. Yeah, the, yeah, uh, the she's actor amazing. at the moment. Yes, a date yes. from Mad Mary was brilliant. Oh, she's incredible. Yeah. I know she's from Tala. You don't know. I have no idea where she was from. Her accent is so good in everything she does. Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit about Dublin Old School later when we get to these social <laughs> part of the show and the social media part of the show. But she's she blows me away in everything she's in. Yeah, no, yeah, she's that's out Friday week. I'm really looking forward to talking about that because I yeah. saw it as well. Yeah. I thought it was great. Oh, did you see it as well? We yeah, can, we can, yeah. We, we can, I still we can haven't got to girl. see it. Yet. Oh. I keep missing it. I keep Go missing the screenings yeah. of it. I am going to get to it though. I might have yes. a little rant as well when we talk about that later on. But how never. <laughs> what about me? No, no, no. About, about something else. About something else. I would never rant about you, Brian. Never rant about you. You're like my furry little brother. <coughs> <laughs> what? Where's, what? Where's clothes that are way too tight from? You did. <coughs> Okay. I thought you meant something totally. Different I heard there. something else. I was like, I think that's what me? I. Heard. What did you hear? What did you hear? Doesn't matter. What? No, come on. Let's, let's not. No, 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 no. Let's just, tease this out. Let's, let's just, tease this out. Let's, let's just turn it into a therapy session. No, let's just keep her going. What, what did um, that sound like, yeah. Dave? To you, we'll as, a, going, as a cork we'll man, going. as a cork man. Oh, yeah, you're on, I don't on mic. You just haven't been paying attention, have you? 
He's got that filthy grin let's across. Get, let's go back to got, kissing Candice. That filthy grin let's, across his face. The film show. Let's bring it back to the film. You need to stop doing that. What? Stop doing that. We're like, let's move it along. Let's bring it back to this. I'm the host. <laughs> I'm the captain. Now. I'm getting it back. None I'm getting it back on track. None of this crack when Deirdre Malumbi hosts this show. You just do what you're told. You just do what you're no, told. No, but also I'm way more subtle than that. Are you? I'll I'll subtly move it on to the next topic. You'll, so you'll, Brian won't even realize. <laughs> So you'll just start talking about something else. Yeah. And Brian's like, all right, guess this is what we're talking about now. And then like, he just talks about shiny? it. <laughs> <laughs> Grand, yeah, fine, whatever. Uh, okay, so the happy prince that you cut up with Rupert Everett. Yes. Uh, I s- I'm looking forward to seeing this interview. Mm-hmm. Um, he directed this as well. Yes, and, was and a, wrote was a, it. Yeah, and it was a gala. directorial debut. Directorial debut, and it was a mm-hmm. gala premiere where him and Leo, Leo Radker were hanging out. Yeah. You're my pal. You're my pal. You do. <laughs> <laughs> my pal. I've never met Leo Bradker. You don't know. You're a big no. fan of him, though, aren't you? I would say I was a big fan. I mean, I don't yeah, know enough about yeah. him. I don't know enough about Apparently him. Apparently, our show gets political. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, look, look at Brian there. He's like waiting for an opportunity to pounce. No. Look at him. He's like, I'm going to get you. No. I'm going to get you. Um, okay, D. Mm-hmm. Okay, tell me about this one. What's this one about? This is. Um, so it follows Oscar Wilde in his final days and Rupert Rupert Everett plays um, Oscar Wilde in it obviously he's played him before in a play and I actually brought up the fact that he had played him in a play and I showed that I I had gone through I used to like I was really lame I used to collect these interviews and articles that really like inspired me when I was like an aspiring journalist that's not lame lame. that's lovely it's a bit lame that's not lame I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. Anyway, I was going through them and I didn't realize this, but I actually kept the one with Rupert Everett from like the Sunday Times culture supplement or something from five years ago. And I showed it to him and I was really, really worried that it was going to severely crash and burn. And he'd be like, what, you weirdo? But he actually thought it was kind of sweet. And I was like, maybe it was fate. And he was like, maybe it was fate. So I was like, oh, that's really nice. That's really nice. Yeah, yeah. It's a film any good though. Um, (laughs) So. (laughs) (laughs) Well. He is amazing in it, acting-wise. Okay. I really wish that he had actually gone for it with Oscar season because it's genuinely the performance of his career. Like, he is amazing as Oscar Wilde. Wow. He's amazing. He just speaks his words with such, like, care and devotion. And he's so good at portraying Oscar Wilde through all these, like, highs and lows of his career and everything. It's just, it's so, it's such an amazing performance. Now, obviously, Rupert Everett was taking on quite a lot. And it is like his kind of big passion project and everything with regards to directing it as well. And I think that's where he kind of missteps because he makes this decision with the chronology of it to basically put it all over the place. So it's set over kind of the last few years of his life. So he would have been um, arrested for indecency. And I think he was in jail for about two years. This was for having like a homosexual relationship. And then he ran off with your man once he got out of jail. And then he's basically living as an exile in France for like the last kind of few months to year of his life. And chronologically, the film jumps all through those time periods. make it interesting. Yeah, Yeah. and even there are flashbacks within the flashbacks and it just gets very messy and very confusing. And I was like, why? Why couldn't you have just made it straightforward? This, this, this. Is that what we said to him? We're like, we're No, 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 I didn't say that. No, of course I didn't say that. Um, No, and also the ending is, (laughs) it's hardly uplifting. It's quite a downer because you literally see him like, on his deathbed spoiler alert um, and it's <laughs> quite like for <laughs> that's not a spoiler like, and it's quite like like it gets dark like it's someone full on on yeah. their deathbed and all the kind of like 
grotesqueness and depressing stuff that goes along with it. So, so it's a tough watch for sure. Um, like I said, don't. Oh, it's a laugh, right? This yeah, week. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Lads aren't allowed to go to cinema to see Ocean's Eight. Um, these, these are other options. Yeah, but so. I mean, like I said, for Rupert Everett. Everett's performance alone it's worth it and I mean it is really all about his performance there are like supporting cast in this like um, Colin Firth is in it and oh um, really it's great but he has a really small role but in it but he's just got like his mates really to do it yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly like he takes thing, a total yeah. step back and Emily Watson is another one in it she plays um his wife and again she just steps back and yeah it does seem like a bit of like having my friends do this but they're all like totally like you know they've such small roles and they're so obviously letting him take center stage but that's fine because he's amazing in it he's the star he is the star and he knows it (laughs) okay so i'm looking forward to watching your interview i know charlotte's putting it together now so that'll be up on the youtube as well so we're talking block with content this week lads Um, and before we go into these uh social media segment which is awesome we got some. Th- we got some. Right. Things. We got some things. To, got some things to talk yes. about. Uh, I spoke to Emma Kirwan and uh, Ian Lloyd Anderson, who's mm-hmm. both are fantastic in Dublin Old School, and yeah. we'll, we'll go deep on Dublin Old School next week. But I spoke to them for my new show, The Delph, uh, which should be that interview itself should be dropping next week. And first thing Emma Kirwan said to me: "Big fan of the podcast. Oh, Big really? fan of the podcast." So shout out to Emma Kirwan uh, <coughs> for. B- being awesome and listening to the podcast as that's well that's very weird that's very you know I think that, well I mean no, it's cool more surreal yeah, yeah like isn't like say, that he's yeah. watching this like that like there are people watching this show this crap you're so we had you're we so had deprecated we had pre- we had in, <laughs> in May not to toot our own horn listener slash viewer we had 70,000 people engage either listen uh, or watch uh, the podcast in May Brian looks over his shoulder like that is really it's like somebody weird was, it's like somebody they're was talking to you there. Brian yeah. I know that's what freaks me out I don't like it okay I don't like it I don't like doing this show anymore not that too many people yeah I mean, what do you mean you do the last word all the time that's a very popular yeah, show I hate doing the last word like I do it because it's my job but I don't enjoy it like. can we get um, Can we get that clip of Brian saying he hates the last word I think yeah we'll I feel like we could media. definitely do you, I think there could be a slot yeah. going on the last word if you remember it like. <laughs> see you can take it you can take it okay you can have it okay so social media this week yes. D, we, um, we're, we're going to go with forgetting Sarah Marshall because yeah. <laughs> I basically Mike has basically bullied us I, bullied, I was like I want to talk about forgetting Sarah Marshall, so I'm going to hijack Brian's revisit sure. segment this week because he stopped caring about 15 minutes ago. To be bluntly honest, in, with you. in fairness, so yeah. I'm just going to take the segment this week. But yeah. D, we had a um, speaking of celebrity fans, yes, we had a, a, a nice tweet from somebody yes. we mentioned on the show last week. Yeah, so as you guys know um, from last week, we, I've kind of started looking at you know the social stuff, and we are shooting just to you know flag in advance. We're shooting it kind of early this week, so there's only kind of one major tweet I'm talking about, but it's a big one, guys. So Mike tweeted this little clip from the vid- from the show last week in which we talk about Patrick Wilson. And he said, here at Patrick Wilson 73, you want to be in the film show gang. And we're a gang. Patrick Wilson actually replied. <laughs> I can't get over which that. Is I can't get over that. That's incredible. Patrick I Wilson I was watching us. That's nuts. It's so cool. And also his his tweet. <laughs> I is can't just, believe it. It's, it's so cool. It's this is how cool the guy is. Um. So he tweeted, guys, just call me. I'm around unless I'm, you know, underwater because he's shooting Aquaman. Yeah. So, yeah, that's so, that's it, guys. So 
react. We're going to take that like literally and call him. I should have replied like, when, when Patrick? When are we? Yeah. Frank, what's can we kind of have to, don't we? Schedule this conversation. No, I can tell you what happened there is because I CC'd Simon Delaney on the tweet. Oh, true enough, yeah, and yeah. And Simon is very sound and I would say Simon favours the tweets and I'd say that's how Patrick. Because he only, he only saw Patrick. I feel like we call him Pat. <laughs> what about Paddy? I feel like Paddy Saw that we're on that basis. We're on that. We're on that. Guys, come Paddy, on. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're you guys call him that. Pat. I call him Paddy. You know, but we're kind of our friends, but on the same level. Sure. We're know? not even past the stage of calling him Patrick Wilson yet. Full name. No, people know Formality. now. He's part, of, he's part of the show now. He's part talented Patrick Wilson. Ridiculously okay, talented Patrick Wilson. You can call him that. I'm very like like. I don't know. I can't get over it. Like it's kind of crazy. Like <laughs> Patrick Wilson. Like. Jesus like. I messaged you on Saturday You didn't see it I, I, was, I was actually Do you know where I was You were like what Where I was I actually had the weekend off I had a rare weekend off And it was down in uh, a hotel Actually I need to talk to you About that afterwards actually um, I don't want to hear about Your dirty weekend No it wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, it, it, Never mind um, <laughs> I need to, You didn't talk to me About what You're in your 30s Brian Come on No Um <laughs> <laughs> I was I I I was He's lost in a hotel and I got the message and he was like it was like check check Twitter bro and I was like oh yeah yeah you sent out the, you sent the clip I was like oh yeah cool yeah grand yeah and then I looked at it again he was like no 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 check my Twitter check my Twitter and I looked at it I was like why oh. is that his voice also? I don't know whatever it's either Colin Farrell or this anyways Aaron. and it was and it was I was like it was like it was like Patrick Wilson I was like. Kate, look, it's Patrick Wilson. She was like, yeah, yeah, good. It's Patrick Wilson. He tweeted us. Amazing. Couldn't believe it. Um, but we have to, like, like you'd imagine when when the Aquaman Junker comes around, like, we kind of yeah. have to have a chat with him. Like, ah, yeah. yeah. We have to. Like, yeah. Um, I interviewed him for um, Watchmen years ago. Yeah. Oh, um, cool. He's lovely. He's very yeah, nice. Yeah. He, it was him and uh, Malin Aquaman. Um and uh, he admired my Super Dry T-shirt, so I might walk in like an interview that was ten years ago. Patrick, the guy Buddy. with the Super Dry T-shirt. Do you remember Barbara Streisand? Do you remember me? Let's talk. That reaction, that Barbara Streisand reaction, where she's like, "Been on the um, for years." So yeah, Patrick Wilson has that John Wick levels of uh, admiration collectively yeah. for us yeah. uh, on the show. So it was very cool of him to tweet us. Uh, we've been a fan of his for a long time uh, as an actor and now as as a musician and as a Broadway star we appreciate his many talents right and and as a fan of the show I would like to think he's a yeah. fan of the show do you reckon he subscribed now wouldn't it be gas yeah. if he did Patrick drop on to where uh, at the film show and uh, drop us a favourite you know subtly if you've uh, if you subscribed man if, he, if, he, if, if, like, if Patrick Wilson subscribed to the show I would lose my shit yeah. I'm gonna, I know I've cursed <laughs> I've done it and I don't care I did it. Um, Patrick Wilson is worth it. Yeah, that's amazing. Fair play. Fair play to Patrick Wilson. Patrick Expletive Wilson. Yeah, there I'm we go. Delighted with that. And uh, and Emma Kirwan as well. Shout out to Emma Kirwan. Um, and I absolutely loved that film, and I'm glad to hear D liked it too. But we yeah. will deep dive next week yes. on uh, Dublin Old School, which is fantastic. Okay, D, what have you got going on for his movie news, Wes? That was a key higher than I usually do. I I always enjoyed a little. I always enjoyed. I know. I noted. Yeah, the high key. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Incredibles two news, which incidentally, well, I think it's embargoed. But yeah, well, like it opened in America this weekend, so it can't be embargoed. Yeah, no, they basically, um, yeah, Disney Ireland asked me to hold off the review of Incredibles two until week of release. Yeah, but you've seen it and it's out there, so you can talk about it. 
if you need to talk I can talk us. about it. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, you can, you can use facial office. expressions yes. to... Um, Raise your eyebrows if it's good. Yeah. Yay. Look like, okay. a pox, look like a pox bottle if it's four stars. So it's four stars. Sound. <laughs> what was the open <laughs> Incredibles 2 has had the biggest opening weekend ever for an animated movie. So it earned $180 million in the box office this weekend and had a global total of $231.5 million. The previous record holder was another Disney Pixar sequel, incidentally, Finding Dory, which made $135 million in 2016. Incredibles 2 also broke the record for best opening ever for a PG rated movie which was previously wow. held by Beauty and the Beast in 2017 which made 174.6 million and it now stands as the eighth biggest domestic opening of all time but it'll be a while yet before we see it because it only opens in Irish cinemas on 13th of July so sorry we have to wait yeah you're really except excited. for you're, Brian you're he re- got to see it but you're really excited about this I'm so excited when you let the review it I know I, I, I was actually giving out about that. I this yeah. yeah. I didn't know. You, you could have gone if you wanted to. Uh, no. Did, you I, never I, said. Hang on a second. I did say. When no, we you did When we were doing press screenings, because I organized Brian's <laughs> obviously, press screenings. Obviously, so. Dee owns the press screenings. <laughs> look, look, we bored anyway, with you today so much he's on his phone. I went through them with you and you said, oh, I'll take Incredibles 2. And I went, fine. Like I very obviously Am I Am I a mind reader Maybe I was being A bit of a woman about it Maybe I was like Read my emotional Okay do you know what (sighs) Right I am not a mind reader Okay If you had said Hey I'd love to do Incredibles 2 You know what D You could have gone and done it Maybe Brian Maybe you just need to be more attentive because I know it's these. Exp- I know it's these. Well, reactions. do you know what? Like, you, okay, like, don't, don't do, we don't did. do that. <laughs> don't. Okay. We did, I know yeah. Well, show. like, well, bully we for all, you. We all know these a big Pixar fan. Uh, was really excited about the Incredibles. Had her on her list. But yeah, I think just overrule them next okay, time. Okay, do you know what? In future, like, right? I can't. He's the movies editor. <laughs> just that get doesn't mean editor. Just, just get David Shock and see on the side. You'd be grand. You'd be like Dave. Like, I'm gonna. I'm All gonna right. Well, do you know what? If you actually, if you, if you wanted to go, you could have gone. Like, you could have said like. Uh, now you make no. me look like a now, now you make me look like a prick. I'm yeah, cursing so I, much this week. I'm sorry. Ah, uh, it's prick really curse word. Um, anyway, that's a hundred. That's a t- <laughs> <laughs> is it? I don't know. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Sorry. <laughs> okay, go on. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, okay. The Incredibles. To, like, I mean, people knew it was going to do well. Yeah. Nobody expected it to do this well. Record breaking well. I don't well. think they didn't not expect that. I'm sorry. Really. No. Kind I. Of, d- d- I am not surprised because okay. it's Disney Pixar and it was a hugely anticipated sequel. So I'm not surprised. And I'm going to put money down on this now. Toy Story 4 is going to beat it in a couple of years Ooh. time. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, for biggest um, opening ever for an animated movie. So, Brian, this is going to be uh, making back some of, the, some of the Solo money. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Solo. Solo was the first yeah. failure that Disney have yeah. had in a while. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah, and it's the first uh, Star Wars movie to lose money as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's definitely, but like I, I genuinely think the problem with Solo was was the fact that like the reshoots cost that much yeah, money, and they, I, I also think they did a total muck up with that release date. Yeah. Totally, like completely. Like I mean, yeah. I, it got absolutely steamrolled by Deadpool. Yeah, yeah. which is shouldn't yeah. have. Yeah, and Infinity War and Jurassic World was like a week, two yeah. weeks later. Jurassic, Jurassic World, Jurassic World still hasn't opened in the US yet. You see, but yeah. it's oh, okay, uh, yeah. like globally, it's mm. it, it's absolutely trouncing it yeah. as yeah. well. But even then, without a bit of competition, it just didn't do very well. It didn't yeah. spike at all. I think. I think another part of this as well is the fact that I don't think anybody expected Infinity War to have the legs that it did because very like true. it shot past two billion dollars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like this was like five five six weeks after and 
Infinity War was still doing well at the box office. It was still picking up money. Like So I think it's a case of, you know, the release date, as D mm-hmm. said, was a problem. And also as well was the fact that, like, the expensive... I don't think people realise how expensive... It effectively doubled the budget. Like, they expected Solo to ha- come in about 100, 150 million. And apparently it went up to 300 million. Yeah, well, you should, like, what you're saying, when you spoke to Ron Howard, he was like, I had to reshoot, like, whatever. Yeah. You mm-hmm. thought, yeah, I mean, you saying, was it a case of getting her over the line? And Ron Howard was like, I thought it was going to be a case of getting her over the line. But he was like, no, they let me do whatever I want. Kind of let, yeah. I mean, if they thought, and this, obviously, just 2020 in, in, in hindsight. Of course, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. But they should have let uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller fail, if that's what they thought they were going to yeah. do. Or at least make an interesting failure instead of again. Or done something like what they did with Gareth Edwards and bring someone else in, yeah, and not ta- start from scratch. Yeah, because that's pretty much what they did. And I mean, like Alden Alcroyd, Brian, and mm. he's, have I said his name right? Aaron Reich. Aaron Reich. I feel bad for him because yeah. he must yeah. have been like, oh, this is going to be the. This will be the launch pad yeah. for me. Maybe yeah. still will be. Yeah, I th- I'd say he'll still do okay and I mean he is he's really great in it you know he does a really good job I can't imagine him doing better at kind of any other actor rather doing better at managing that job of balancing it so that you reference Harrison Ford's performance enough but also bring your own to it I thought he really I think it's really difficult difficult to do so hard I still haven't seen it because I don't care so okay well I think (laughs) think you would like it though I think you would like it like I mean I I really liked um uh, Force Awakens. Yeah. Um, the last one, I was like, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I think you'd like it. The Last Jedi, I was like, yeah. I think I think you I think you would appreciate it, like, because I think there's mm. enough kind of there's enough action in it that well, like explosions of, and stuff. No, but like, but generally, it's that way you you can appreciate. <laughs> no, <what laughs> He's just pissing herself laughing. <laughs> but like, you can appreciate well, Corey. John Wick. But that's true, though. It was fucking pencil. But like, anyone could like appreciate a well. Old hormonal boy. <laughs> Anybody can appreciate well choreographed and well directed action, and I think that's what Solo has. I think you'd agree with that. Yeah. There you go. This brand. <laughs> what else do we have, Dee? Um, John Travolta's new mob movie, oh. Goaty. This is at the time of writing, so maybe it has like 2% by now, but at, at, at the time of writing and at the time of reporting, it has a 0% oh. score on Rotten Tomatoes. So oh. the whole thing has basically been a mess. Um, just two weeks before its original release date, the, the distributors, Lionsgate, sold the movie back to its producers. It's now been released by Vertical Entertainment and Movie Pass Ventures, some oh. kind of indie... I think yeah, movie pass is something where they do like a discount um, with like a meal or something. Like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> like obviously paraphrasing, yeah. but there's something yeah. like that. Um, he brought it to Cannes last month and I didn't hear anything about it. So that's not always a good sign. Um, the reviews have been atrocious. I actually grabbed a couple of um, sound bites here. T.H. Shore said poorly written, devoid of tension, ridiculous in spots and just plain dull in others. While the New York Post said Goaty Flick is the worst mob movie of all time, I'd rather wake up next to a severed horse head than ever watch Goaty again. Goaty, Goaty. Goaty, sorry. I hate film critics. I hate film critics so much. But you are. You were for years. He is one. What are you doing right here? Well, I have reviewed them in old school, but like, I got got to a first and I to see it twice, but. I hate film critics so much. It's a hyperbole, isn't it? Yeah, but it's like, what's the most arsey, like, just, they just annoy me. Yeah. And there's a massive, like, look, I'm not talking about this film. He hates it. I'm not talking (laughs) about this film. I heard both of you guys, right? You're welcome. You're welcome, by the way. No, um, I'm not, uh, I'm not talking about Gotti, but I'm talking about just that disconnect between some film critics, um, I'm not talking about you, Brian, but between some film critics and the films that they're reviewing and the audiences that consume those films. Yes. I'm not saying 
you know, go and give Transformers 5 a positive review because oh, some people are going to like it. I just think there's a massive disconnect. Mm-hmm. I think especially between elements of the broadsheet film criti- critics and like the likes of Deadpool 2 or the yeah. likes of, uh, you know, I th- and I, from what I'm hearing as well, Dublin Old School, um, and we'll get into it, I think, properly next week, yes. but I don't know how anybody couldn't have been blown away by that film, mm. you know? Yep. I really don't. Or have issues with how it's structured. Or mm-hmm. it's, that film is art with a heart. Yeah. Should I put that in the poster? Damn it! Oh, that's <laughs> a good one! Do you like that? Damn. Art with a heart. Yeah. just have to go with the film experience of the summer. Yeah. But here, I'll tell you what, though, right? I mean, I, just, just to get back to Gotti for a second, right? I do think with something with a film like that that is that bad, mm. I think you can kind of you can kind of what's the word? You can luxur luxuriate on how bad of it is. Do you yeah, know that sometimes sort of I, I'm it's not gonna fun. lie. It's a bit of fun. <laughs> yeah, it it's is fun, fun ripping it apart. Like, like it's yeah. like giving it a, giving it both barrels. Like it's good. Oh like. yeah, and look, I've been I've done that myself. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've done that myself over the years. And I would say if I could go back down, I'd probably punch myself in the face and stop being like stop being a pretentious little arse. It's not being pretentious. It's no. like having fun with the fact it's, that how terrible this film is. Like, and also the fact that you've just had so little fun and have put yourself through the trauma and the pain of actually watching the thing you need to lighten it up a bit you like know? don't get me wrong like you're absolutely <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> for your own for your own <laughs> sanity you got something you know? out of it yeah. but like don't get me wrong like of course like there are people who are literally down minds like have worse <laughs> jobs than we have like it's not like saying like it was a terrible experience having to go watch oh, Dave, I'm so Dave sorry. literally just went oh, like I'm this I'm so sorry they couldn't see they're so sorry they can't see or hear that reaction producer Dave literally went but you know what I mean? Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, People I'm not down mines. What is this? The 1950s You're in basically like, Stan from South Park like? right now. You know that thing yeah. he does. But you know what I'm saying? Like, is in the idea of like, you know, we're saying down. that like, it's a t- like, oh, it was so terrible. It was so terrible kind of thing. Like, yeah, like, of course there are worse things that happen in the world. Like a Zoolander's family working on the mine. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like what are you talking Zoolander about? Zoolander 2 is crap. <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying, Brian. I get what you're saying. You didn't articulate it in the most no. articulate way. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> articulate it in the most articulate way. Yeah. That's not very articulate. Did convey it in the most articulate way. Yeah. There we go. But, yeah, I, I mean, like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it is a bit, um, yeah, it is a bit up its own whatever to be kind hoop. of like, yeah, yeah. Well, hoop to be that kind of like, it's absolutely. And awful. I do find that particularly with, I won't say certain reviews, well, yeah, certain reviewers say when they're looking at comedies, yeah. I think that there's a very snobby attitude to, and not even just comedies. I think that like genre in general, comedies, superhero movies, just across the board with reviewers tend to get like kind of a bad They have a rep, mass appeal. Yeah. You know, and it's really kind of frustrating because I look at a superhero movie as a superhero movie. I'm not going to be comparing it to the likes of like Tully and A Quiet Place, two of like the best movies I think that have come out this year. Agree with you. you know, yeah. there's no point. Yeah. And then Deadpool 2, again, you have to kind of, you know, look you at it You have to take as, it in context. Yeah, and I kind of like, I suppose I ended up with three and a half because I was looking no, at it as a Deadpool movie. Yeah, you know? no, I mean, I totally got your review, but you, like I genuinely got your point of view from yeah. as well because you were like, and I, I've done that before. Again, I've done all of the stuff I'm giving out about. Yeah. So that's why I feel like I can look back and go, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, because. Yeah, you've it done me. it. You've yeah, seen yeah, the other exactly side. Exactly, I've experienced and I've seen the other side of it, but. I just think there's a. Di- I mean, I think there's obviously elements of oh, you do this for a living, so you have to do it day in day out. And I remember being jaded with, with you yeah. know certain films I think I did it for like eight years, bef- mm. like before I became an editor, six years before I became an editor, and then it was kind of stop and start where I'd go and cover stuff for Brian or or Gaff Bork or whoever when there was nobody mm. around before before the lovely theatre came along. So I get it, but I just think I know, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I just I mean, and look, I've had I've been wrong many times. 
And like I know you've said that about yourself with certain reviews, <coughs> Independence Day was But I've been wrong I, many I times. I rather enjoyed it as well, yeah. Brian. Thank you. There you go, cool. Fair I remember enough. actually Fair when enough. we went to see it and we were like, oh, in entertainment.ie gave it four stars. Thank you. I still remember that. I went to Thank see you. it because Brian gave it four stars and left about an hour in. <laughs> Paid to see it, Brian. You owe me money. You know you what? Owe me money. You know what? I'm glad you went to see it. I'm glad you went to see it. And if Max Ramsbottom is watching this as well, okay, I would have put it, I would have put this on my top ten of the year, okay, okay. but I didn't. For anybody, right. anybody. For Max Ramsbottom watching this. For anybody. Call me chump. Okay. That Sorry. was that was a very, um, That was very deep call, wasn't very, it? He no, that, some rant during the show, was, doesn't he? It was so in. Like, it that was, was such it was, an it in was joke. Very in, that yeah. was like an incredible in joke with yeah. literally one person. Yeah, sir. Who, who you know doesn't listen. You could have just texted him. I could have texted him. You could have just texted him. I actually think if, if one of us has to go away, I think we might bring in Max True. to come and sit down because I don't yeah. think he's got much else going on. <laughs> like, I just see him, I just see him in, I just see my fly featured in the day, like, if I'm off. You know? It's like, all right. <laughs> like, man, he's training to be a solicitor. Okay, right. Well, I'll put this in context. No, 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 no. We're not going on a tangent here. I just want to put it in context for the, everyone listening. Okay, so basically the story was Max Ramsbottom, who used to work for us, was a writer, who was a real person, by the way. His name literally was okay. Max Ramsbottom. Are we cutting this? No. <laughs> okay, grand. So, um, Max basically, right, used to work uh, for Entertainment.ie. He was one of the staff writers. <clears throat> I wrote the review for Independence Day Resurgence. Um, really, really liked it. Gave it four stars. Max didn't agree with my review of it at all. And he was like, well, you know what? If you, liked it, if you liked it so much, why don't you put it on the top 10 of the year? And I was like, well, I don't know if I liked it that much. And he was like, so why are you giving it four stars then? Huh? What are you going to do, jump? And that's basically it. And then it is. So, become... what you've, so what you've done there is you've given context to your one person joke that one person listening to this podcast yes. is going to get. I just mentioned 70,000 people in May consumed this podcast and show in one form or another. So you just hijacked it for five minutes straight. <laughs> To give that person context to what you were saying. And we know it's five minutes because we're looking yeah, I'm at it. Okay, I'm okay. Let's move on then. <laughs> like you haven't like hijacked this show for five minutes to do your own. Like, oh, by the way, you know, I'm going to be doing the delve. <laughs> Wow, oh, shots nice. are being fired oh, nice. in this right. show. Anyway, Japers. Anyway, Deirdre, you haven't finished your movie news segment. I, again, and uh, I deeply apologise for an interruption from Brian. Uh, we're not going to cut it out because we want people to see. We want people to see what he's Grant. like. We want people to see what we have to deal with. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Terry Gilliam has lost the rights oh, to yeah. the man who killed Don Quixote, which I, I just think that this story is like, it's one of those crazy movie industry stories that you're like, how is this friggin' possible? So he's been trying to get this movie made for, for almost two decades. The completed movie, um, which stars Adam Driver, much beloved on Twitter, by the way. People oh, are Driver. really Tourcy into Driver. Adam yeah. Driver. Really into him. It. It's kind of weird. Um, and Jonathan Price, who I, I think he's cool. He's in Pirates of the Caribbean. He plays like Elizabeth. Um, Elizabeth Swan's dad. Oh, okay. John Price. Yeah, 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 I think he's great. Yeah. Um, it finally nice. premiered yeah. at Cannes, the completed movie. Um, but now it, um, the Paris Court of Appeal have basically ruled in favour of the film's former producer, Paolo Brancho, who sued for rights to the project on the grounds that Gilliam made the film illegally. So the How do you make a film illegally? So Sorry to interrupt. Essentially, the Portuguese producer, they originally signed a contract together, him and Gilliam, to make the film in 2016. Um, that collaboration came fell through, but Gilliam still went ahead to make the movie in 2017. How did he get the money? Um, I, that, see, that's where I find it a bit confusing. 
So yeah. did he have money? It's in like a production fund or something yeah. and he just used some money in the production fund. Like I find it a bit confusing to be honest. I'm not great for legal stuff which is bad because my Joe dad's actually Mac a Lanto. lawyer. You yeah. No, he, he, actually would, he actually would know about yeah. this. Yeah. Um, but Gilliam has had to pay a little over 10,000 euro in damages to Alfama Films which is the production company and they'll also be looking for similar recompense from the film's production crew from the French producer so it might have been the French producer. Oh, okay. Maybe that was it. Super yeah. messy. Um, and also the Cannes Film Festival are actually screening the film. Oh, so it's totally a mess. A and yeah. It's all up to Branco now whether the film actually sees the light of day. It might be one of those things where he just takes it and re-edits it or something. something or who yeah. knows what they're planning on doing. Or they, could, or they could just be so peeved that they just shelve it. And he totally could. That's what's so worrying. Like we might never see this but movie. And I saw a trailer for it and it looked like a bit of crack. Uh, didn't he try to make this years ago, Johnny He's Depp? He's been trying to make this for years. 18 like, years. 18 years. Like, I mean, it is literally like, it's almost become a running joke kind of thing. That it's it, cursed. That it, that this film is cursed. That like he had this Sounds idea. like it is. Yeah. <clears throat> that he's been trying to get it made for years, that it didn't happen, that he almost got it made and then it fell through and then stuff happened. And then, like, I, I honestly, I think this is going to sound ridiculous, right? I think the documentary that eventually gets made about this film will probably end up being better than the film itself. If they can actually use the footage if they can from actually it. Use the film. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, a, it's literally like Apocalypse Now and Hearts of Darkness kind of thing. Like that's Apocalypse Now ended up being a bit of a classic though, so yeah. you never know. But like Hearts of Darkness like is an incredible documentary. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, like it's so good. Like, Heart attacks and affairs and oh, all that crack. Everything. Yeah. Marlon Brando just went off his biscuit. Yeah, literally turning <laughs> up like day of the day of, like he was due to start like, overweight and bald and knew none of his lines kind of thing Jeepers. and there's that there's that brilliant scene in Hearts of Dark where he's just like I think I'm done for the day now and just walks <laughs> off the set like and they're like what are we going to do like Shapers. yeah I think that's one of those things when it's uh, with athletes if you're elite if you're an elite athlete you you know you have to kind of keep challenging yourself like if you're Tom Brady or LeBron James or yeah, you know Zidane or whoever like and, and Marlon Brando was that for acting and mm. even now if you're like listen to any podcast with like the best of the best you know the best of the best yeah. the guys working today they all reference Him. Marlon Brando mm-hmm. like like Robert De Niro Al Pacino Pacino talked about it in a Bill Simmons podcast where he's like oh, Brando was yeah. it for us you that know? was it he was yeah. even he saying knew. that so we get um, my point being you know you really need a certain mindset to keep to keep yourself at that level or you just get complacent and you're like I'm oh, Marlon Brando I'm gonna get fat and bald and you just do stuff I wanna do yeah you know it's funny because like I think with with just to go to get back to Don Quixote, like I mean Terry Gilliam, like I mean like he's it, it, he's the kind of director that he is incredibly hit or miss. You know that sort of way. Like Twelve he, Monkeys is go crack. Twelve Monkeys was brilliant. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, incredible really mental that, film. Yeah. Then you have stuff like you know Zero Theorem, which was not great, and then you have stuff like I think he did Brothers Grimm actually, which yeah. we talked about last week. Which yeah. we were talking about last week, which was not great. Oh God, he did that. Yeah. Completely forgot yeah. he made that. That's yeah. what I'm saying. The the studio great. movie Weird with Terry movies. Terry Gillingham yeah. tint type thing. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, Brazil I is a huge kind of cult of course, favorite as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just I don't know. It's a shame that this is happening, but at the same time, it's sort of like it'll make for a great documentary yeah. later. I know Afterwards. that's terrible to say. Yeah, yeah that's true. Fact, yeah. Okay, we'll move on now uh, to the revisit. Um, Brian has just tapped out. I've Brian just tapped, tapped out. out I'm going to I'm gonna tag you in for this one. Did you notice, um, did you notice with the uh, still on YouTube for the show this week, 
For last week's one, prime. it was me just So that's pointing. when he did the, he did the yeah. thing again when he was pointing at Max. He I did, did it yeah. again. Did you just like how you looked when you pointed? A little bit. Did a little you? bit. There was yeah. an element of like, oh, that looks kind of cool. I'll do it, it again for cool. this week. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, so every week, Brian's going to go all Spice Girls down the lens of the... Right down the lens. Right yeah. down the lens of the camera. Um, okay, so we, we, we've had to shoot a little bit early this week because uh, mm-hmm. you were off doing a junker, Brian. I am. So... Yeah, I I hijacked it. I hijacked this one, D. I mean, you, D, you you were fine with yeah. it, though. You sounded fine with it. Hey, why are you saying this? I'm like, no, I'm more like, you're the host. You you're can do whatever you want. No, I was like, well, <laughs> we're also the host. But I, I, I was like, today, I was like, what are we doing? What are we going to do for the Reavers? Because normally, I was Oh, yeah, to because I was and saying. And D was like, I suppose we'll do for Sarah Marshall. Actually, I did say that. <laughs> See? See? Brian, everywhere I look, I'm reminded of her, okay? Like, she got me this. Okay, because I would always leave my cereal boxes open and the cereal would get stale. And so one day I came home and she had this waiting for me because it keeps my cereal fresh. And now I have the freshest cereal. For me, uh, <laughs> comedies are always, you know, really good comedies are always for me the most re- rewatchable movies. Yes. Mm. So, and like, one of my favorite movies ever is Old School. I'm yeah. not saying it's a great film, like, in terms of how it's structured, in terms of how it plays, in terms of how it's paced. It's strange. When you break it down, it's just basic and a little bit strange. But it's also, <laughs> it's also hilarious, exactly. There are a million little moments at the Dan Band. Uh, the scene at the end where uh, Will Ferrell just kicking the, <laughs> in the supermarkets having oh, a party with some internet friends why don't you call over <laughs> there's just a million little Vince Vaughn and, and Jeremy Piven yeah. uh, did we, we lock you in a dumpster once yeah I got out cool man <laughs> like so many little moments like that in it. Forgetting Sarah Marshall is another one of those movies for me yeah. is um, it? it really is because at the time it came out it, there was a whole lot of like Judd Apatow like love generally going around because of the one two super bad and knocked up. Uh, he'd obviously directed super bad and he just produced knocked up and he's just produced forgetting Sarah Marshall. But Jason Siegel was another one of his mm-hmm. proteges that he'd gotten kind of gotten to know or kind of discovered during Freaks and Geeks. And all of a sudden, like Seth Rogen, Jason Siegel turns into this like amazing writer who like with a with like a gift for nuance and comedy. Who's you know lead characters this strange puppeteer, yeah. odd looking kind of. Mm. You know, by his own admission, like, kind of, you <gasps> oh know. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot Yeah, that. the whole thing made the, 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 the Dracula, Dracula, Dracula yeah. musical. The yeah. Dracula that musical. so good. Uh, and then he obviously went on and made a Muppets movie as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and having interviewed Jason Siegel a couple of times, actually getting to spend a couple of hours with him when he was in Dublin for... I remember you saying we that, did a web yeah. chat with him. Yeah. He is the loveliest man and that bleeds through, I think, in a lot of his characters and that they're kind of silly, they're kind of goofy, they can be crass, mm-hmm. but there's just something inherently likeable and warm about them. Yeah. And the, 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 his, the lead character in this film, also Bill Hader's in it as well, yeah. uh, Kristen, Kristen Bell, who um, just... Playing against type, I playing feel. Playing against type. Oh, Kristen yeah. Bell is known for being just one of the coolest people and mm. just been generally... Mm-hmm. Like, she did a podcast um, with Michael Rosenbaum, who's kind of, kind of a friend of hers and just... That's when people generally open up in those mm-hmm. things when they know each other. And she just seems awesome. We spoke last week about it as well, I think, where she uh, filled in for Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, and she was did amazing. Great. She's just, and that's a difficult thing to do, to just step in yeah. and do that. So if Adam Sandler did that years ago for Letterman, and uh, I remember talking to Adam Sandler about it when I interviewed him, and he was like, he was like, I was so nervous. Like, he was, like, Sandler was like, he was like breaking it, doing the monologue. And he goes, the one thing I learned doing that was how slick Letterman is. To get to a point, like, there's so many of those, you know, uh, people that are doing those late night shows, even Samantha Bee now, um, where they get to a certain point 
and they just have it. They're just, they're just able to nail it and they're just able to hit the beats and you have to be doing it for a long period of time to get it. Kristen Bell was just, went into that slot yeah. and was slick as hell. And Moyla Kunis as well, she's kind of playing the, the, the cool chick from want of a better phrase. Yeah. It's just a lovely film. It's a warm film. Um, there's something kind of, it's one of those I mean, then the ultimate rewatchable films where, you know, like, you know, the, you've been in your DVD collection, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to throw this on and just, you know, like a blanket. See, that's where yeah. DVDs come in handy, It guys. is, isn't it? Because <laughs> me, myself, myself, myself and Joel tried watching um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall last yeah. week and I couldn't get it anywhere. Oh, yeah? So if you wanted to buy it on YouTube, like literally couldn't get it anywhere. If you wanted to buy it on YouTube, you couldn't yes, buy it on yeah. YouTube because it wasn't on iOS oh. and I don't have Apple TV. So like, it's ridiculous, yeah, you know, yeah. but anyway, it's the sweetest, loveliest film um, about a guy getting over a breakup is Chris Chris and Bell plays his girlfriend who's like she's in a crime scene scene of a crime which is like a CSI type show yeah. and the show gets cancelled and she ends up with Russell Brand Russell, he Russell ruins Br- it for me so that's really? it I can't, I can't watch this film because ah, no. Russell Brand is in it Russell it. Brand I hate that guy I thought you would have quite similar politics with Russell Brand no it's well, like, that's why he doesn't like him really they're too alike too- <laughs> <laughs> leaving my politics aside for a moment Okay. <laughs> Let's leave your politics aside for a moment. Yeah. Is, like I'm getting like I'm getting yeah. branded here. No, but like uh, I think Russell Brand in it, like he's basically just playing Russell Brand. And I think there was a period there in like around the same time Forgetting Sarah Marshall was made where it was basically if you add Russell Brand to your film, you're going to get Russell Brand. You're not going to get him playing a character. You're just going to get him playing somebody else. It was like the whole thing. But like remember in th- Hoppy played a rabbit and he was very convincingly <laughs> not Russell Brand. All right, he played something I at bedtime like stories. Animation movie reference. Yeah. All right, but like, okay, but like an Arthur. Remember Arthur? Yeah, the Arthur yeah. remake. He I was... did enjoy Jennifer Garner immensely in Arthur, though. Yeah, and Helen Mirren at all was good yeah. in it as well. That's like. how you did. <coughs> Anyways, but I just think in this he was basically just playing himself, and it was the same with like Get Him to the Greek. It was again. Just well, I like, like Get Him to the Greek. Yeah, I like it too. But like Russell Brand is the weak link. Every film I ever see him in a comedy, there's he's a, a weak there's link. There's a scene in Get Him to the Greek and, and Jonah Hill as well. I want to talk about a quote, speaking of those re quotable comedies, mm-hmm. and I am going to curse, so I do apologise. Uh, but there's a scene in Get Him to the Greek where Jonah Hill's character is obviously a record label guy, he's an a and guy, and he needs yeah. to essentially get him to the Greek for it to perform a show. And Russell Brand's uh, freaking out because he's trying to go cold turkey with drugs. And that scene is very real because that's, that's some oh, shit. Oh, yeah, that he Russell has Brand some stuff, yeah. Went through. Watch mm-hmm. that scene. He's rubbing the, the furry wall, the furry wall, and he like he gets super intense with Jonah mm-hmm. Hill. But uh, yeah, that, because it's been a long time since that film came out. I did that junket. But there's a scene in uh, in in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Jonah Hill plays this just this waiter. It's one of those scenes where the lads would just be in each other's movies. Oh, that Apatow could be in each other's movies, and he's yeah. like, uh, he's a huge fan of Russell Brand's character. It's obviously where the spin-off came from. And he's like, uh, can I just get that for you? And he's like, oh, and he just dismisses him. And he goes, oh, I'll just go fuck myself then. What, what say? <laughs> and that is my favorite meme ever. It's my f- like, I just think it's a fantastic line. I've interviewed John Hill many times. I've never found him to be a pleasant human being. Yeah. But why is he talented and funny? I will say that much. Yeah. Even in little scenes like that, where you're <laughs> like, you just have it. God damn you, John Hill. Another shout out, speaking of like small actors uh, not small actors small roles in this Paul Rudd Paul Rudd oh, so Rudd. funny the weather this. outside is weather yeah he's gas <laughs> what's, the, what's the lemonade one the lemonade gift where it was like uh, oh, when life gives you lemons <laughs> oh what was it again oh I actually when life gives you like, obviously the quote when life gives yeah. you lemons uh, make lemon lemonade you. and he goes he's like when, li- when, when life gives you lemons pff, just bail <laughs> what's it I'm paraphrasing something like that yeah something something like like but uh, that, yeah. yeah Paul Rudd's fantastic in that as well and it's another um one of those 
apathetic peripheral characters who have yeah. led their own movies mm. and just popping yeah. in with the lads and just see, having the crack. See, I feel like we don't get those movies as much nowadays. Like, I feel like the last one we really saw, basically all of these great, great comedic actors, but all of them have fairly small roles in it, but really kind of go all out. I feel like the last movie I saw that in was probably This Is The End. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love This Is The End. And they're well. so funny, all playing like caricatures of themselves. And remember Paul Rudd running and in at the end with the bottle of champagne, like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> it was so funny. Michael Cyril just off his biscuit on yeah. Oh my God. And just blowing it in people's faces as well. Oh, yeah. I feel like some of the insults are just that little bit too... <laughs> it's very near, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's very near. Like, and the whole thing with like Emma, Emma Watson, like, comes yeah. out with the baseball bat yeah. <laughs> or like Danny McBride yeah. and he brings out uh, he brings out the Channing game Tate. and he's trying to hey guys so when I give you lemons I just say fuck the lemonade and, or fuck the lemons and bail Something that's what like he that. says yeah that's what yeah. it is anyway apologies for the cursing at the end of the show this week yeah. um, you know we went off the rails we, we went off the rails but I feel, off we, the rails. I feel like we went off the rails in an extremely entertaining way would you agree producer Dave Absolutely. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate that. Appreciate Deadpan that. Dave. Deadpan Dave. He was WhatsApp. Yeah. He was WhatsApping away there. He wasn't even paying attention. He was just pretending to turn stuff like that. Calvin. <laughs> his Harris phone fan. is so fancy. Did yeah. you see his new phone? phone? Yeah, it was like Calvin Harris when he's like, "Yeah, you were just like, <laughs> just scrolling yeah. through Instagram or wherever you kids uh. doing." <laughs> his phone is so. We fancy. need to put a camera on you for this every week. I swear to God. <laughs> he's got it he's got it I'm telling you shout out to Charlotte Reed uh, in post-production for putting the show together for us visually and of course to Dave O'Regan producer Dave shout out so uh, next week we're going to talk Dublin All School Mm -hmm. I'm excited I'm really excited are you going to get a chance to see it I will I will hopefully get to see it I'm really interested to see what you uh, think of it as well and to yeah. get into it again next week. Okay, so uh, follow at The Film Show on Twitter. Uh, Dee will read out some of the tweets. Oh yeah, tweet us. Tweet us. Tweet. Uh, if you have suggestions, I would. Uh, Charlotte Reed has suggested the Skeleton Twins, mm. uh, which I know was one we talked about before for the revisit next week. So we might talk about that. If yeah. you agree, if you disagree, tweet at The Film Show and let us know the crack. We'll catch you next week. Ah, it's all good. They're coming, wiki wiki. Can you get some towels for me, please? I'm really losing a lot of blood. You sound like you're from London. Yeah, I forgot that.